Hello, I'm Anthony Moore, and I am honored to have you be with us on today in our Wednesday in the Word. We are starting our new semester of study, and specifically, I'm going to uh, ask you to indulge me this, during this semester and our time together to look at the book of First Peter, book of First Peter. What I want to do is I want to walk through the book of First Peter this semester and um, share with you the realities of the Christian life. I want to talk about the realities of the Christian life based on what we see in the book of First Peter. And we're going to be starting at chapter 1, starting at chapter 1. Today, I will kind of lay foundation, give the introduction but what I want you to do specifically is I would like for you to just go ahead and get your Bible and um, notepads and your pens and let's take copious notes on this book of the Bible as we will develop um, a series that um, will deal with what First Peter shows us about the realities of the Christian life. I want you to, in, to entitle this or to title this particular um, lesson today. I want you to title it New Birth. That's what I want to focus in on the introduction is the new birth, the new birth. I want to focus in on that, the new, the new birth. Now, um, every, every year, every year, thousands, if not millions of people make a commitment of faith in Jesus Christ but many don't know how to take the next steps forward in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, they're not quite sure even how they got to the point of being saved. Very few can explain how they got saved or what was involved in them receiving salvation. So this teaching series that we're going to embark upon this semester will hopefully give you an inside look at the realities of the Christian life. I wanted to show you how you can grow in your relationship with God. What I would like to do this semester is take a journey through 1 Peter, where we're going to discover some principles to guide us and to grow us in our walk with the Lord. I believe this short New Testament letter is packed full of practical encouragement, showing us how to live for Christ, even in a hostile environment and or a culture that is diametrically opposed to the kingdom of God. Really, you all, 1 Peter is a manual on discipleship, taking us inside the experience of the Christian life. Um, for those of you who do not know, allow me to give you just a little information on who our author is, Peter. Peter was among the first disciples of Jesus, and he knew the highs and the lows of the Christian life from his own experience. If, if you could recall, and if you don't know, um, I'm going to certainly share with you pointed places in Scripture where we can see it for ourselves, but it was Peter according to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, that tells us he walked on water 
because his faith was so strong. But it also tells us he also almost drowned because his faith was so weak. It was Peter in Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18, that we see where he confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. But then it was also Peter who denied that he ever knew Jesus when Jesus was being crucified. Peter knows better than anyone that following Jesus is not for the faint-hearted, but he discovered the grace of God in his own life and was moved by the Holy Spirit to write this letter showing us the path of following Jesus. Now, in this intro, I, I, I want you to know that there are three, three things that I want you, the believer, to know as you consider the question, what's next, Pastor? I'm saved now. I've received salvation. But what's next? So before diving into 1 Peter, I want to set the stage. I want to set the stage. You have made a commitment to follow Jesus. As a result of your commitment, three things happened to you. Three, three things. Let's lay foundation. Y'all, you, you have given him your life. Three things happened to you. Number one, number one, you are brand new. Now I need you to go ahead and log this in on your notes and um, make um, special attention to this particular point here. You are brand new. Don't you pay special attention to this? You are brand new. When you respond to the invitation to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, radical changes take place. First, the Holy Spirit comes alive in you and decides to live in your heart. Which, by the way, the Holy Spirit is the key to many more positive changes that are yet to come in your life. So here's what the Bible tells us. Remember, you all, you are brand new. So if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it tells us that you are a new creation a new creation. You are a new creation. That's what it tells us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, um, the Bible says it like this. You are any man who, who is any person who is in Christ. They are a new creation. All things are passed away and behold, all things become new. So that's what we see in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Bible also tells us in John chapter 3, verse 3, that we are now born again. We are born again. We are born again. We are born again. That's what we see in John 3 and 3. Born again, new birth, brand new. So we are born again. But then in, in, in Romans 8, verses 9 through 11, it tells us we now have the spirit of God and the life of God active in our lives. Um, so the first thing I need you to know 
is that because you've made a commitment to have Jesus as Lord, you are brand new. You're brand new. I, I, I'm, I don't care what anyone says. The moment you give your life unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you confess and you believe, you need to know that you are brand new. It's called new birth. It's called born again. The second thing I need you to know is that not only are you brand new, but number two, you are right with God. You're right with God. Once you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose from the dead to give you power to live, you are in right relationship with God. You're in right relationship with God. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This means, you all, that you are forgiven you are clean, and that guilt has been completely removed from over your life. You are forgiven. You are clean. And that guilt has been completely removed from over your life. So you are now in right relationship with God because you are forgiven. You are now clean. What can wash me whiter than snow? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So we're told even in scripture that if I confess my sins, that he is faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So you are forgiven, you're clean, and guilt has completely been removed from over your life. And so um, you are not only brand new, but literally you are, you are now right with God. You're in right relationship. In Psalms 103, Psalm 103, if you will, in Psalm 103, verse 12, it says, he has removed our sins as far from us as the East is from the West. That's how far he's, that's what he's done for us. He's removed our sins as far as the East is from the West. In 1 John 1 and 9, what I told you initially, 1 John 1 and 9, is if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right? So, so, so the first thing, the first thing that I need you to know is that you are brand new. You're brand new. The second thing is you are right with God. The third thing I need you to know is that you are expected to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You're expected. You're expected to grow. You are expected to grow. Let's look at this again. I want you to get this. Um, the first thing that you need to know is that you are brand new. 
The second thing that you want to know, you are right with God. And because you are brand new and because you're right with God, the third thing that must take place in all of our lives once we become a believer in Christ is that we, in fact, have to grow. We have to grow. We have to grow. You are expected to grow in your relationship with Jesus. The new life that you've received from God is like a seed that grows when properly cared for. The way you think, the way you feel, the way you make decisions, and the way you relate to others will be transformed as you grow in your relationship with God. I want you to get this. As you, in fact, grow, you start being transformed the way you think, the way you feel, the decisions that you make, and the way you relate to others will be transformed as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, allowing him to direct your life. After you're saved, your goal is to grow in relationship with Jesus, with others in godliness, and to work out your salvation. So we are, we are expected to grow in our relationship with Christ. Allow me to recap if you don't mind. Number one, you are brand new. Number two, you are right with God. And because you are brand new and right with God, you are expected to grow. Now, our aim as we look at 1 Peter, starting with chapter 1, is to explore God's discipleship manual unedited. As you get inside this epistle of Peter, my prayer is that it will get inside of you and provide you with God-given direction for your life. Now, when you look at this, you all, the book, the book of 1 Peter was likely written around 60 AD and 65 AD. The purpose of this letter was to believers who had accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, but who had been dispersed throughout the ancient world and were under intense persecution. If anybody understood persecution, certainly it was Peter. I mean, after all, you all, he was beaten. Peter was threatened. He was punished. Peter was jailed for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter understood what it took to endure without bitterness, without losing hope, and in great faith living an obedient, victorious life. This knowledge of living hope in Jesus was the message, and Christ's example was the one to follow. So let's, let's do this, you all. I want, I want to start with um, verses 1 and verse 2. I want us to take a look at Peter's introduction um, in verses one and in verse two. Here's what it says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to to the knowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling 
by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. I mean, y'all, now that's, that's the intro, verses 1 and verse 2. The first word of this epistle, Peter identifies the author. He calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Peter makes sure we know who he is that's authoring this letter. He says, I am Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter then gives five names for the believers. I I need you to see this. Y'all, right here in verses one and two, he gives five names for the believers. Number one, he calls the believers God's elect. God's elect. Number two, he calls believers strangers in the world. In some translations, you will see it as aliens, A-L-I-E-N-S. Number three, he calls believers chosen by God. Number four, he uses the term sanctified, which means set apart for Jesus Christ. But then also number five is the sprinkled by his blood. Now, if you stop for a moment and let this sink into your soul, it ought to be mind-blowing. Here's why. Because you are God's elect. Come on, y'all. Y'all not helping me teach here. You're, You're God's elect. You are chosen by God. You live in this world, but you don't belong to it. I told you earlier, you are brand new. You're brand new. You are brand new. Not only are you, in fact, brand new, but you, in fact, are now right with God in right relationship. And you have or you are expected to grow. Now we've discovered that based upon first Peter, we're God's elect. We're chosen by God. We live in this world, but you don't belong to the world. You belong to Christ. God has called you to a new life of obedience to Jesus. And he has put you in a position where you can comply with what he's requesting of you. Your past is forgiven. Mm. You now have peace with God. You live in the world of grace. These are the staggering truths about every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And y'all, this right here ought to send us into worship. We ought to just go ahead and worship God right here. Y'all, if you've committed your life to the Lord Jesus, these things are true of you. You belong to Christ. Your past is forgiven. You are at peace with God. You are the recipient of his grace and you will spend eternity with the Lord. This is beyond our comprehension. If we were able to live for a thousand years, we wouldn't be able to understand this. The new reality of who you are in Christ is bigger than you can comprehend. I want to say that again because this is so important. Y'all, the new reality of who you are in Christ is bigger than you can comprehend. It's something for you to receive and rejoice in. Now, let 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 me examine this text just a little closer. In verse one, he uses the word elect, E L E C T. 
in verse 1. In many translations, um, he uses the word elect. Whatever, regardless of what translation you're using, he uses the word elect. But it's not until verse 2 that we're given a description or explanation for the word elect. So the question that's raised is what does it mean to be one of the elect, one of the chosen ones of God? How are we as believers in Christ, the elect? I think it's important for us to note that based upon our text in verse two, we are told that we are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the father. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry. You, you all are missing. I, I got to go back. Once you see this again, I said, you are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the father, which means that God knew us before something before what pastor? Well, Ephesians 1 verse 4 says that God chose us in Christ even before the foundation of the world. Mm. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, it tells us that Christ himself was foreknown by the Father in the same way that we were selected by God or elected by God. God didn't just know about us. He knew us personally, and somehow he chose us anyway. I'm telling y'all, you don't even know when to give God praise, y'all. You don't even know when to worship. I, he knew you were flawed, but he chose us anyway. Verse 2 goes on to say, also, we are chosen through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That means that God's Holy Spirit is involved in making us set apart just for God, in making us people God can call holy. But then finally, we are also chosen for something else, chosen for obedience to Jesus and sprinkling with his blood. Now, as strange as that may sound, the people that Peter was writing to at the time of our text understood exactly what he was saying. And here's why, because under the Old Testament law, the blood of an animal sacrifice was required for forgiveness of sin and for the showing what belonged to God. We have not been literally sprinkled with Jesus's physical blood, yet his blood was literally spilled when he died on the cross to pay for our sins. His shedding of blood made it possible for us to be made clean from our sins and for God to claim ownership of us and declare us to be holy. So we fulfill our purpose in the universe when we obey Christ. Mm. Hit the rewind button. I got to give it to you again. We fulfill our purpose in the universe when we obey Christ. It's what we were chosen for. Listen, I'm going to quit here, you all, um, but stay tuned to next week as we'll pick up in verse three. I, I want you to get all of this, you all. I want to walk through first Peter and literally make sure that you see how God gives unto us on record what we need to know about the realities of this Christian life. Stay tuned. The next week, 
I want to, I want to, before I let you go, allow me to do two things. Number one, I'm not sure of the audience that I have on today, but here's what I know. I might have somebody who in fact needs a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I did all of this today just so I could come and offer unto you a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're watching today and you do not have a relationship with God or two, you in fact were in relationship, but you walked away and have a need to come back or three, you are in fact in need of a pastor in a church to nurture you as you walk out your salvation in the Lord. If that's you, I want to recommend this church to you. Now, if you need a relationship with God, if you in fact were in relationship but walked away from God, or if you in fact are looking for a church and a pastor to nurture you, I want to recommend this church to you. I want to suggest that you pull out your smartphone right now and I want you to text 94000. And I want you to put in the chat Connect CNBC. Connect CNBC. And I can assure you that we're going to respond to your requests. I'm believing God even now that there are persons who are hearing this teaching and are desirous of being in relationship with God. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word today. In addition to your word, we thank you for those who are yet responding. God, give them courage to follow through on their commitment to you. We're grateful of knowing, God, that you made us brand new. We're also grateful to know, God, that you, we have the ability to be in right relationship with you. We're grateful to know, God, that there's a level of expectancy that you have about us growing in you. Now, Father, I pray that we are part of the ones you have chosen that you've elected so that we could spend eternity with you. Hear our prayer now in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, before you sign off, would you consider worshiping God through giving? Um, however you choose to do that, um, there, there are multiple ways in which you can give. You can certainly give to any one of our causes here at um, Carolina Church, whether it's through our tithe, whether it's through our missions, whether it's through our outreach, whether it's through our CDC, whether it's through the pastor's love offering, whatever way you would like to give your resources to, we will receive it and know that God will be honored as a result of your giving. Listen, I want to thank you so very much for your time. I've given you some principles. I want you to stay tuned to next week. And um, we promise to come right back and pick up where we left off. Now, on your mark, get set. Let's grow. Have a great day.